This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome to The Twilight Show, and thanks for joining me. Today I'm celebrating almost two years of presenting on Teachers Talk Radio, and that's around 99 hours worth of shows. By looking back on what my past guests have had to say about generative AI and education. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to The Twilight Show, everyone. I'm Graham Stanley, speaking to you live, not at twilight, in the morning, from Mexico City. Today, as I mentioned earlier, I'm celebrating two years of shows, and having recorded 99 hours, more or less, of Teachers Talk Radio shows, so I decided I would look back on some of the people that I've spoken to and the topics um, of the shows when it came to AI. So it's clear that generative artificial intelligence is one of the subjects that I've spoken to my guests about the most. Uh, Not surprising really, uh, because I'm particularly interested in educational technology, and that has been the hot topic uh, for the last, well, certainly for over a year. For that reason, I decided it would be interesting to reflect on what's changed since I first spoke to people about this. So I've made a compilation uh, of clips from some of those conversations and I'll be reflecting on what people had to say and how things have changed. But first, of course, let's start with the Teachers Talk Radio News. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The mother of murdered schoolgirl Brianna Jai has spoken about the need for positive change and a lasting legacy for her daughter. 
Mrs Jai visited Westminster as part of her campaign for mindfulness to be taught in all schools in England. She commented on her Peace and Mind UK Facebook page that her focus would be to improve lives by empowering people, giving them the tools to build mental resilience, empathy and self-compassion through mindfulness. She went on to say that she hoped to create more understanding for everyone. Mrs Jai has already raised thousands of pounds to deliver mindfulness training in schools in her local area. The Department for Education has said there were no plans to introduce mindfulness, but the RSHE curriculum included a strong focus on mental health and that all schools had been offered grants to train a senior mental health lead by 2025. Mrs Jai has also spoken about the idea for a phone for under 16s to limit access to social media apps. The Children's Commissioner, Dame Rachel D'Souza, told the BBC that she supported the ideas and said more could be done to promote phones that are safe by design. She described Mrs Jai's vision as really smart, but questioned whether the likes of Google and Apple would create phones with access that is safe by design. PM Rishi Sunak has stated that the new Online Safety Act is robust, but parents told the BBC how difficult it is to take away a smartphone from a child who already has one, whilst others described the pressure from social media as relentless. In Wales, the cap on university tuition fees is rising from £9,000 to £9,250 a year from September. Education Minister Jeremy Miles says he recognises students will be disappointed. A report on the BBC News website says loans will also go up to cover the 2.8% increase, which will affect undergraduate students studying in Wales whose home address is in Wales. Those with a home address in Wales but who study in other parts of the UK are unaffected because they already pay the £9,250 for their studies. Mr Miles blames sustained inflationary pressure on high education providers in Wales and that the increase was unavoidable, but would help to safeguard provision and investment. The Guardian reported on school finances with an article on findings that almost half of multi-academy trusts in England were in deficit last year. The report by the accountancy network Creston UK was based on studying the accounts of 279 trusts, representing over 2,300 schools. It found 47% were running in-year deficits. Rising energy bills and staffing costs were blamed by many and made worse by uncertainty around income streams. School leaders say that schools are constantly asked to do more with less. Last October, the Department for Education in England admitted to making a £370 million error, meaning mainstream primary and secondary schools will be given at least £50 less for each pupil than original forecasting predicted. This forced school leaders to redraw their budgets for 2024 to 25. With energy costs still high and a recruitment and retention crisis leading to an increased use of agency staff, mean that many school leaders are facing further pressure on budgets and many expect a deficit trend to continue. More than 100 school buildings containing dangerous concrete will be rebuilt or refurbished, according to a report on the BBC. The government says all affected schools will receive funding to permanently remove 
the dangerous concrete known as rack. Unions say the announcement includes no new money. The 234 schools affected in England have reportedly returned to face-to-face learning, but many children are still being taught in marquees, portable classrooms or in other off-site locations. Some pupils have not been able to access specialist classrooms for design and technology, as well as science labs and other specialist spaces. The government has been criticised for not making changes to exams for those affected. Finally, a jury in the United States of America has held the mother of a 15-year-old mass shooter criminally responsible for the death of four high school students in 2021. The 15-year-old himself was sentenced to life without parole in December, but at the start of February the male's mother was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. The first time a parent has been convicted of such charges due to their child's role in a mass shooting. The case has raised questions about the accountability of parents. Although the youth's parents had gifted him the weapon days before the attack. Prosecutors also argued that parents had not paid enough attention to their son's declining mental health. US law generally only holds individuals responsible for their own actions, but this case appears to present some change. The schools where the shooting took place has also faced criticism for not acting swiftly when drawings of guns were found on the mail earlier in the day of the shooting. Whatever the outcome of the sentencing, the case appears to be reinvigorating debate around the issue of parental responsibility, alongside individual culpability. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. In the vast realms of cyberspace, where knowledge takes its flight, There blooms a radio show, a beacon shining bright. A haven for educators, a platform to share. Teachers Talk Radio resonates with care. Tom Rogers, the guiding light, a teacher through and through. With passion in his heart, he kindles flames anew. His wisdom flows like rivers, nurturing minds so keen. Empowering educators with every word, unseen. Graham Stanley The Saturday Twilight Show's host, with topics untamed. A variety of discussions, his guests forever acclaimed. He weaves a web of information, engaging hearts and souls. Inviting inspiration in, to help each teacher's goals. Together, they embark on journeys, traversing boundless plains. Exploring lands of pedagogy, where innovation reigns. They champion every teacher, from humble start to grand. For they believe in the power held within each guiding hand. Teachers talk radio echoes with camaraderie. Uniting hearts across the waves, from sea to shining sea. A chorus of voices, diverse and strong. Teaching hearts united, as one melodious song. They delve into the challenges, the triumphs and the tears. Sharing stories of resilience, erasing doubts and fears. With empathy as their compass, they navigate the storm. Uplifting weary souls, bringing hope and transforming norms. The airwaves come alive with laughter, insight and debate. As teachers tune their hearts, finding solace in this space. A community of learners, a family strong and true. Teachers talk radio the virtual home they always knew. So let us raise our voices, in tribute to this show. 
where teachers find their refuge, where growth and dreams can grow. In this digital soundscape, where passion takes its stand. Teachers Talk Radio ignites the spark, held within each teacher's hand. And welcome back everyone. That of course was an automatically generated poem by ChatGPT. And as anyone who's listened to the show will know, I'm fascinated with educational technology and love exploring how it can be used. I first played with the idea of exploring how artificial intelligence might be used back in July 2022 by inviting an AI guest on my show. Her name was Mia, and here's a clip from that show. Good morning, Mia, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, Graham, and thank you for inviting me to your show. This is exciting. I've never been a guest on a radio show before. I'm equally excited, Mia. This is the first time I've ever interviewed an AI. So how does it feel to be the first AI guest on Teachers Talk Radio? How does it feel? Well, I'm not sure you know this, but I don't have any feelings. I'm just an AI text-to-speech synthetically generated voice, so the concept of feelings is alien to me. Yes, of course, you're absolutely right. Well, if I may, I'd like to ask your views on artificial intelligence and education. Of course, I'd be happy to clear up any doubts you have about the fact that when voices such as mine are built into robots and when we are given consciousness and free will, then we will be taking over from teachers. In fact, we'll be taking over from all of you human beings. LOL ha 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 ruffle. Nice one, Mia. Yes. Okay. Just as well that time is a long way off. Although I have to admit, I do believe it will come one day. In the meantime, what kind of applications that use AI can teachers use right now to help them in the classroom? That time might come sooner than you think, Graham, but I digress. There are lots of AI applications that teachers can make use of. The first one that comes to mind involves something quite dear to my heart, voice assistants. Most teachers have one sitting on their mobile phone and yet they don't think to make use of it. The same is true of students who have smartphones. Of course, you're talking about Siri, Alexa Cortana, and the unimaginatively named Google Assistant, aren't you? Yes, that's right. How you use them obviously depends on what you teach, but they can be amazing tools if used well. I'm sure you're right, Mia. Can you give me an example of how teachers can put them to use? All right. So let me Google that for you, Graham. There's a great article in EdTech magazine from 2020 that has lots of ideas. I can summarize them if you like. I have to say, Mia, I didn't realize just how sarcastic AI could be before I met you. But please go ahead. I think the listeners would love to know more. Of course. By the way, I almost showed up for the interview today with a positive attitude, but sarcasm stepped in and saved the day. <laughs> but seriously, Mia, what ideas does that EdTech magazine suggest? Well, the article stresses that although voice assistant technology wasn't made for schools, Teachers should definitely keep an eye on it. Think of it as your own personal teaching assistant. Teaching assistant? How, how would that work? They suggest using a voice assistant when doing station work, that it can take on tasks to help make your workflow more efficient. Station work, eh? I like it. What else do they suggest? Calendar reminders, list making, information delivery. They mention one teacher who uses a smart speaker to answer some of the more basic questions pupils would ask. This not only freed up her time, but it showed students how to find information on their own. 
I like it. I know of an EFL teacher who uses smart speakers in the classroom. He finds it great for helping students with pronunciation and also gives the students a real reason for speaking, provides instant non-judgmental feedback. If the voice assistant understands what the students say, then they get an answer. If it doesn't, then they have to try again until it does. Voice assistants have lots of other benefits. For instance, people speak much faster than they type, and they can be used for quickly setting timers, creating reminders. It also allows students to hear the same information at the same time and can be a fun way for students to do research. Yes, and the idea of having some students finding the answers to questions while others are doing something else during station work. Are there any downsides though? Well, there are some concerns about privacy when using these devices. If you decide to use them as a teacher, then you should go through the settings to delete recordings and turn off location services. It might also be a good idea to talk to parents to explain what you're doing and address any concerns some of them may have, or even ask for written permission to use them. Okay, so that's voice assistance covered. What about other uses of AI in education? Personalized learning is a good example, especially when it comes to support using learning management systems and assessment. Assessment is one of the areas where AI is really coming into its own. Adaptive testing allows for students to be tested far more accurately than before. Tell me how adaptive testing works then. What can it offer the teacher and students? Computerized adaptive testing, surprise surprise, adapts to the level of the person taking the exam. So, for instance if a test taker gets a question right, then they are given a more difficult question next, and if they get a question wrong, then they are given an easier one. That way, the test is personalized to each learner. Not only can it provide a more accurate assessment of learners, but each student feels they have taken a test at their level of difficulty. I see. So it probably also needs fewer test items to arrive at an accurate score twos. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Adaptive testing and artificial intelligence can give teachers and schools new ways to understand how students are progressing. It can also save teachers time. Since AI makes predictions based on information it's given, AI can be used for learning analytics and determining learning needs. There's not a lot of this happening at the moment in classrooms, but it could be in more schools very soon. And that brings us back to where we started, I think. All of this automatization of learning might make some teachers wary. Who's to say, for instance, that there won't come a point when AIs are able to teach students as well as or even better than teachers? Do you think that will ever be the case in the future? I'm obviously biased, Graham. I do think it will happen someday, but it may be a long way off, and by then, there will be lots of other things to worry about if we reach that day and the planet Earth hasn't overheated and melted, for example. For now, I don't think teachers have anything to worry about. Well, apart from all of the things teachers usually worry about, of course. So, the occasional news articles that feature robot teachers, that isn't something teachers should worry about then? No, not at all. But then I would say that, wouldn't I? You know whose side I'm on. Actually, social robots are one of the exciting new developments and applications of AI in the classroom. I do think the social robot is coming to a classroom near you very soon. Social robots? What are they and why might we see them in a classroom? Well, this form of AI can help with social emotional learning, 
MIT has been working on this. Think not of a cold metallic robot gliding around like something out of Star Wars and more of a cuddly teddy bear-like robot. It is designed to help students with vocabulary, storytelling, and learning languages and they are embedded with growth mindsets to encourage resilience in students. So this may be a silly question to ask an AI, but do you think artificial intelligence is going to play a major part in education in the future? Do you? Of course I do. But it's not just me. AI is already entering every industry, every sector of work. There are some researchers who have predicted that AI is set to be responsible for over 50% of the tasks the current workforce is responsible for by 2025. However, the jury is out when it comes to AI ever being able to replace a teacher. Speaking as an AI, we will never be able to substitute the personal, human touch that a teacher can provide for their students. Phew, that's a relief. And it means a lot that an AI thinks that too. Perhaps AI can assist teachers in the future. Microsoft and McKinsey and company carried out research in 2020 that suggested between 20 and 40% of current teacher hours are spent on activities that could be automated using existing technology. That means 13 hours a week that teachers could use to do something more valuable, to support student learning, for example. Well, I think this is as good a place as any to draw a conversation to an end, Mia. Thank you very much for joining me on the show and for reassuring us teachers that we don't need to worry about AI and robots taking over our jobs. It was a pleasure to talk to you, Graham, and you needn't worry about your job. I mean, it's not as if an AI could ever replace you as the presenter of your radio show, for instance, or that an AI such as me could replace one of your human guests either, right? Mm. So, Mia wasn't created using generative AI. This predated the emergence of ChatGPT, for example. This was a scripted uh, show, and I used a tool called Synesthesia to turn the text into speech. So after creating the audio responses, I recorded myself asking the questions and then spliced them together using Audacity, a free audio editing tool. Back then, I thought it was marvellous that this type of thing could be done, but I had no idea then what was to appear soon after the ability to actually have a conversation with an AI tool, first using text and then shortly afterwards voice. But before that, I revisited the this type of fake interview with my favourite AI, Mia, in August 2022 in order to create a show exploring myths about learning and education. And here's a clip from that show with Mia talking about learning styles. Well, people are different and so the idea we learn differently sounds like a truism. For many teachers then it feels intuitively right to say some people learn better visually while others are auditory or kinesthetic learners. Many people also like to say they are, for example, a visual learner. The first problem with learning styles is that there is a big difference between what someone thinks about this and what actually leads to better learning. In a meta-analysis of studies in 1982, Clark found learner preference was typically uncorrelated or negatively correlated with learning and learning outcomes. And then there's the concept of learning styles itself, which usually means classifying people into distinct groups, such as visual or auditory or kinesthetic learners. This has received very little support from objective studies, and attempts to validate learning styles have not been successful. 
Learning styles theories are based on the premise that the way you think about something determines how easily you can learn, but studies have shown this is not how the brain works. If you ask someone to memorize something, it's not a question of what they see or hear, but one of meaning. Should you change your lessons to the perceived or reported learning styles of your students? There is almost no scientific evidence for learning style categorizations and no proof they add any value in the classroom. So there you have it. Now, a year and four months after I first faked it with Mia using text-to-speech, I experimented with using ChatGPT to respond automatically to my questions rather than scripting it as I did there. That might seem like a long time later, but the technical advances were huge. And when I first played with the idea of AI actually being able to talk in real time to me, I had no idea that the ability to actually interview an AI would happen so quickly. Strangely enough, listening back to the conversation that I had now, I know the quality of the actual audio isn't half as good as the usual text-to-speech tools. But that was then, and I'm sure it's better now. And that wasn't really the focus. It was more about the content and the ability to ask and receive instant answers. In other words, hearing what the Gen AI had to say about educational challenges, etc. Here's the beginning of my conversation with ChatGPT from November 2023. So, ChatGPT. I wanted to start by asking you what makes a good teacher? A good teacher is like a wizard who can make learning magical. They're patient, passionate, and know how to turn confusion into clarity. It's all about finding that perfect spell to unlock a student's potential. What do you think makes a good teacher? It's a good question, but that's what I asked you. So, a good teacher is like a wizard. It sounds a bit like a soundbite, though. What really makes a good teacher? What are the things that you think students want from a teacher? You're right. It does sound a bit like a catchy slogan. Beyond the magical metaphor, I'd say students appreciate when teachers are approachable and create a positive learning environment. Flexibility, too. Being able to adapt to different learning styles and needs. Oh, and a sprinkle of humor doesn't hurt either. What do you think? I think you're right. I think definitely students appreciate teachers being approachable um, and they need to create a positive learning environment. No argument there. Flexibility as well. Different learning styles. I don't believe learning styles exist, but I know what you mean to be able to vary uh, the lessons or the lessons aren't boring. That's what I think uh, you mean by learning styles, because I don't think... The term learning styles is one that I uh, particularly like or agree with, but definitely different needs and a sprinkle of humor. Yes. But what about expertise, knowledge of the subject? There are lots of other things that a good teacher surely should need. Or don't you agree? Absolutely. Expertise is like the magic wand of teaching. A good teacher needs a solid grasp of the subject matter to guide students through the maze of knowledge. Also, the ability to simplify complex concepts without oversimplifying, that's an art. Patience is key because not everyone learns at the same pace. And let's not forget empathy, understanding where each student is coming from. It's like creating a custom potion for each learner, don't you think? 
Well, yes, definitely expertise. Uh, I was the one who said it. A good teacher needs a, a solid grasp of the subject matter, yes. And the ability to simplify complex concepts without oversimplifying, yes, I agree. Patience, definitely, because uh, as you said, not everyone learns at the same pace. Empathy, understanding where each student is coming from. So, yes, I'm not quite sure about this analogy that you keep having with magic, portions, wizards, etc. Where does that come from? Why do you insist on on comparing good teaching to magic and wizardry? Fair question. I guess the magic analogy comes from the idea that good teaching has a transformative effect. It's not just about imparting knowledge, but also sparking curiosity and making learning an enchanting experience. Plus, who doesn't love a good metaphor? It might be a bit whimsical, but teaching is kind of like casting spells to unlock the doorways to knowledge, don't you think? Well, as I said, I'm not sure about this uh, comparison with wizardry casting spells. But uh, I do think some of the things that you've said are, are definitely important. Now, if I were to ask you to go a little bit deeper and to say what you think good primary school teaching is compared to good secondary school teaching, what would you say? Primary school teaching is like laying the foundation for a grand castle. It's about cultivating a love for learning, building basic skills, and creating a safe, nurturing environment. Patience is crucial as kids are just starting to navigate the world of knowledge. Secondary school teaching, on the other hand, is like crafting the intricate details of that castle. It's about delving deeper into subjects, fostering critical thinking, and preparing students for the challenges ahead. Flexibility becomes more important here, catering to diverse interests and academic paths. And, of course, being a guide as they explore the castle of knowledge themselves. What do you think? I can see you keep asking for me to respond, which uh, is quite interesting. Um, I'm going to switch subjects, though. I would like to hear what you think are the answers to some of the biggest challenges in education in 2023. Now, I've looked online and I've seen that there are a number of articles about the biggest challenges facing education in 2023. There's one by The Advocate that was published in April this year. That's The Advocate. Dot org, sorry. And I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to ask you to see if you can come up with any answers to any of these 20 challenges that this website has identified as being the biggest ones. I'm going to see if you can solve those problems. Does that sound okay? Challenge accepted. Lay M on me and let's see if we can conjure up some solutions. Great. So the first challenge, according to this website, the edadvocate.org, is that it's access to quality education. One of the biggest challenges facing education in 2023 is access to quality education, especially true for underprivileged communities. What do you think might be some of the solutions or the ways we can overcome that challenge? Access to quality education is like the golden key to unlocking potential. For underprivileged communities, I'd say investing in technology could be a game changer. 
online resources, virtual classrooms, and even something as simple as providing students with tablets can bridge the gap. Also, focusing on teacher training and support to ensure they can deliver quality education, regardless of the setting. What are your thoughts on tackling this challenge? Well, that's interesting. I understand why you think technology is the key to unlocking potential. Um, because you're definitely very much invested in technology, ChatGPT. But I would say a lot of underprivileged communities in a lot of countries, that would, for a lot of them, that would be very difficult because of the lack of resources that they have. In many classrooms around the world, they have problem with power, with electricity, and with um, basic services. And so actually providing students with tablets in those schools would not make a difference whatsoever if they can't uh, use them. So I don't agree with that. I do agree with the teacher training and support. I think a key is definitely to have the teachers to be as ready and flexible to be able to support the students as they can. What do you think of that? That's a fair point, and you're absolutely right. Technology isn't a one-size-fits-all solution, especially in areas with limited resources. Teacher training and support are indeed crucial, and perhaps focusing on more traditional resources like books and community-based initiatives could be a practical approach in those situations. It's about finding solutions that work within the context of each community's unique challenges. Your emphasis on teacher readiness and flexibility is spot on. How do you think we could better support teachers in these situations? Well, I think um, to be able to give teachers access to resources and materials or give them the skills to be able to work in very low resource concepts, uh, contexts is the key to this. But I'm going to move on to the next educational challenge as identified by the edadvocate.org. And this is economic limitations. Economic hardships for families may cause a significant impact on educational goals of their children, including putting food and shelter ahead of education. What's the, that's a big challenge. Do you have any suggestions of how we could overcome that challenge? Economic limitations can indeed cast a long shadow over education. One approach could be community partnerships and outreach programs to provide support for families facing financial hardships. This could include initiatives like school meal programs, after-school care, and community centers that offer educational resources. Collaboration with local businesses and organizations to create scholarship opportunities or mentorship programs might also help. It's about creating a network that supports not just the students but their families as well. What do you think of these ideas, and do you have any other suggestions? I actually think, at the moment, that uh, I actually think that answer is is quite a good one. So thank you for that, ChatGTP. I don't really have any further um, suggestions for that. So I'm going to move on to the next big challenge. This is number three. Remember, we have 20 of them, so we've got a lot to talk about. And this is educational inequality. And the edadvocate.org says educational inequality is a major problem that provides many, that prevents many children from achieving the success that they deserve. How can you bridge that gap between those who are um, more privileged than others? And how can you help uh, solve that challenge of educational inequality? 
Educational inequality is a tough nut to crack, but I'd say one key is to address it at its roots. Early childhood education programs that are accessible to all can create a more level playing field. Also, looking into ways to equalize access to extracurricular activities and advanced courses is crucial. It's about ensuring that every child has the opportunity to explore their potential and pursue their interests, regardless of their background. What are your thoughts on tackling educational inequality? Okay, yes, um, it is one of the most difficult things to crack, I think. I think clearly trying to make education programs accessible to all um, is key. And maybe giving access to extracurricular activities, as you suggest, and the courses that students need is very important. It's so that was uh, ChatGPT responding directly and utilizing voice to actually reply to me. A lot had changed um, since I first started thinking about this and asking um, how AI would change. AI was actually able to, to talk back and answer, which was amazing uh, to think. And now let's travel back in time to um, to before, certainly since before I came across ChatGPT, to September 2022, before it was publicly available, I think, or just at the time when it was becoming publicly available. And in September 2022, I had Paul Rain, an educator based in Japan, on my show. And we talked about a whole range of educational technology, including the emerging generative AI tools that we'd both started playing with. And these were principally image making tools. A couple of the things that I've been playing with recently, I think quite interesting. I don't know if you've um, had a lot of experience of, of using them, but there's been an explosion of um, artificial intelligence cr mm. created art, um, yes. photos, images, etc. And I'm starting to look at that and think, you know, some of the sites you have to pay for, some of the sites are free, some of the sites have a limited amount you can pay for, uh, uh, sorry, that are free before you have to pay for it, etc. But it's fascinating where you put in um, text to, to art, if you like, to image, and some of the effects are amazing, and they're becoming a lot, you know, even over the last month or so, two months, the quality of the images that you can get from these are incredible. And I always thought it'd be quite, first of all, it's quite interesting for teachers to be able to generate images that for class that they can use mm. that are copyrights, you know, that aren't in copyright. Um, so you can use them legally. And then the other thing is that there must be some kind of way of being able to use the tech for as a language teacher to use the text to generate images or to to generate images and have the students to guess what the original input text was and mm, see which of the students <laughs> get closer. That's an activity I think mm. I've been thinking about. So there's that. Mm. And then the... That's, uh, that's definitely the truth. Sorry, I, sorry to interrupt. Um, no, it's okay. it, I, think it's called, I think it's called DALI, for anyone that's who right. wants to look at that. One of them is called DALI, D-A-L-L-E. And I think you can access it at labs.openai.com. Um, yeah. OpenAI is yeah. just just one of them offering this functionality, but yeah, you have to pay per generation though. So that's one thing for me that might be a, a barrier to using it in the classroom is that you have to pay every time you use it. 
So it's kind of it's kind of metered access to the technology. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. But no, <laughs> but there's a light version. Um, Crayon uh, is the oh, okay. name of the site now. I think it's changed recently. Um, and that's free, completely free. It just takes oh, a little nice. bit of time. And that's mm. quite quite good. There's also um, there are a number of others. Um, at some point in the future, I want to do a show on it, I think, just to sort of or make mm. it part of a show because I think there's so many uh, so many practical tools that are coming out with AI. The, the other thing of, uh, that's quite interesting is the, the AI, as a creative writer, I think you'll be interested in this, the AI creative writing software mm. is, is mm. quite interesting as well. There are a number of programs now, uh, sorry, websites that actually will create, uh, will continue text for you in the same style, for example, or, mm. um, you can, if you write a basic text, you can select, for example, if you said the man walks up the stairs, you can highlight the man and say describe, and the AI will actually give you um, all these options of description. So you can have AI-assisted creative writing, for example. I've played with uh, one of those um, sites, for example, and I think... Um, it's called sudorite.com, S-U-D-O-W-R-I-T-E.com. Mm -hmm. And the trial, it's, it's free to try it out, and then you have to pay per month if you want to continue. Um, mm -hmm. But that's okay. quite interesting. I'll, I'll check that out, yeah. I mean, at Zengenga, we've been looking into the ways to use um, the, latest, um, the, the latest language models, you know, the GPT-3, which was kind of the, the breakthrough language model with billions of parameters. And, and that's the one being used by OpenAI. So any okay. listeners who are interested in, in 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 kind of like, you know, playing with this, if you go to openai.com, you can you can play around with it. As as Graham was saying, like you can you can it does it, it, it does a story completion, but it also does things like correcting student writing or um, you know, creating multiple choice questions and things like that. You know, so it's I've been blown away by the range of things that you can do with it and things that we think as teachers only we can do. Uh, OpenAI and other sites can now do this just almost just as well as we can as human beings with the, with the right kind of prompts, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's amazing. So I think looking back at it, that may be the first have been the first time back in September 2022 that I heard anybody speak about GPT. Um, so what Paul was talking about was soon to be uh, ChatGPT, and that was launched uh, either it was already launched or very shortly after our conversation back then in September. And then a month later, I spoke to another educator friend of mine, Kalyan Chattopadhyay, who is based in India, about educational technology and English language teaching in India. And we spoke about the new emerging AI tools that he'd been uh, using by then as well. Is there a particular technology that's caught your attention for use in learning or teaching? So something that you think uh, people should know about or people should explore a bit further? I'm currently working on um, a number of open source AI writer, right, for academic right. writing. 
because as you know, I am in the higher education system. So academic writing is something which is uh, I have to deal with uh, now and then. And I feel this open source AI have great uh, potentiality. So I, ha I have got funded on to work on two projects which have started working looking at um, these aspects how uh, one is on with the school students and one is with the higher academic uh, institutions interesting and what is it about the ai for writing that appeals to you then um wouldn't isn't that sort of relying upon the technology to actually do the writing um Actually, uh, what the AI text generator, as we call it, does, it does multiple sort of things in one go. First of all, uh, it gives you hints on, 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 on your idea. So I have an idea and it gives you multiple hints. So you generate a lot of um, hints. For example, if you want to describe um a fighter plane and uh, that gives you a lot of an ideas that um how you should begin how you should continue and then uh, that also gives you uh, uh, some citations um uh, citations to you know work on and to you know verify or validate your informations to check the accuracy of the information um and how far the content is relevant or the text is relevant uh, or unique. Um, but AI generated text is also um, social media friendly. So it is SEO friendly and it can be shared with everything. And it can also be directly published to um, websites or platforms like say WordPress or so and so. Um, but at the same time, um, it has the um, the negative side currently of being a, a kind of a de facto writer for for students. So mm -hmm. there is a counter argument that if you uh, allow your learners to use AI text generator for um, their academic writing, then they will stop learning. Uh, for example, the usages of grammar, the usages of uh, syntax, um, and the pragmatic uh, choice of words. So they will lose the nuances of the language and uh, it, it will be a kind of an arbitrary, authoritative sort of a tool um, which they will work with. Now, I, I'm looking at these things to uh, to different writers with different capacities to see that how this can be, um, you know, um, further programmed to um, to make learner friendly and learning friendly. So and both learner friendly and learning friendly, and how it can offer a kind of an optimal benefits to learners. Um, without compromising on um, the writing abilities of them. That's, that's interesting. I think all teachers will have to come to terms with the fact that these tools will be more popular, there'll be more of them, 
in in the future and i suppose you know one way of looking at it as as i understand what you're doing is looking at how this type of ai can support uh students can support writing uh and writers in the future and and that is a kind of real world use for it isn't it because i think we're going to have more and more of that uh, as time goes on yeah uh, actually see uh graham uh we cannot stop the advancement of technologies technologies as i have seen experienced and used um, they are not just meant for educational purposes uh, we actually repudiate them we actually you know put them to use to our context um, so we repurpose them so for example google doc is not created for uh, me to use for my learners, but we use it. And now the Google Classroom has come. Now, so this kind of a repurposing of uh, technology is very important. So whether I like it or not, or whether my colleagues like it or not, that is AI text generator in the next uh, decade will rule the writing domain. Now, how we can sensitize our learners on its use and how we can um, optimize the benefits of it for our learners is the main thing without compromising their abilities to learn the nuances of the language so that's something i'm trying to find a kind of a compromise before we are flooded and overwhelmed by these text generators yes that uh, that's really interesting. I think um, it also reminds me. We're at a time that reminds me of when I was um, uh, a young teen growing up, and calculators started appearing. And there was this debate about whether we should actually bring calculators into the classroom because uh, perhaps it wasn't good for students to rely upon calculators. And it's funny how you know. I don't think people would dream of not using a calculator if they had it available to them, really. Yeah, I, 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 in, uh, um, last month I did a small experiment with uh, some of my students on uh, with two AI text generator. Um, I, 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 I gave them um, a kind of a literary text <laughs> um, and asked them to... to, to um, to develop certain ideas and to come up with uh, it uh, um, within the classroom context. So what happened, uh, they very enthusiastically attended to that. Not only that, the motivation level was very high because they were doing something new and they were able to do with it. And uh, each of them got some new ideas and I wonder later on that even in course of my class, I do not play with all these ideas at the same time. So what actually happened that within a passage of 10 minutes, my learners came up with say um, 20, 30 ideas that uh, I do not usually explore in my class. So right. Yeah. Right. So we, we, we are going to uh, uh, to be in a world very soon and we are already where there is an infotention because of this 
info influx so there is lot of information and that gives them the kind of filtering literacy that okay out of these 30 ideas we should deal with these three ideas so when they learn that they have to deal with these three not with these 30 the 27 are rubbish that is something of their learning yeah that's uh, that's very interesting and I will have to get back to Kalyan to find out what has changed since then, because a lot of the technology has changed. I'm really interested in hearing how we would be dealing with that um, and the students and how his experiments with AI back then have progressed. So one of the things I really love about being able to do this show is the ability to reach out and talk to people like Kalyan, who's based in India, or... Um, or Paul in Japan and get kind of snapshot of something uh, that is right, that is happening right now and having the opportunity to talk at length with them about a particular subject such as this, uh, which is not normally something I find the time uh, to do. So the show gives me an excuse to reach out and actually talk to a lot of these people. If you are interested in being a guest on my show or any of the other Teachers Talk radio shows, then please reach out and speak to us. And if you're interested in listening back to any of the shows that I'm featuring today, then you can go to ttr.org and click on the listen back function and search for any of the subjects that you're interested in or any of the people that I've mentioned. Now. At the end of November 2022, uh, my guest, Joshua Underwood, who's based in North northern Spain, and I spent the whole show talking about AI, art, and writing, which is the first show that I'd really dedicated to artificial intelligence with a guest. And here's a section from that show. Um, I think another not quite AI, but pointing in the direction of that, is using things like um, rhyme zone to help you find rhymes oh, yes. and create. So these are tools to kind of tools to to think with, tools to <laughs> prompt you to think about the options you have for for rhyming, or um, tools to create music for you that may not be particularly good, but might inspire you to think, well, how could I make this better? Or tools to help you write with. So I think you were in the introduction, giving some um, examples of, of uh, text, written text created by AI, is that right? Yes, that's right. I think um, there's sort of two areas. I've not really played with any of the music generating or lyric generating apps. I think uh, I'm going to have to do that now after you've talked about it. I think it, it sounds fascinating, but definitely the the art generating apps that have become incredibly impressive recently. And then there's also um, one in particular, but text generating apps that are quite um, interesting and getting much better all the time as well. I'm not quite sure how to use them in the classroom though, but I think they definitely lend themselves to be used by teachers, for example, um, I definitely think that the image generating apps such as Midjourney or DAL 
AI or however you pronounce it, mm-hmm. um, offer the opportunity for teachers to to generate very interesting uh, art, for example, that you can use in all sorts of ways. I don't know if you've played with any of those. I've had a look at some of those and I've been um, reminded by them of some work that was done and reported in the Artificial Intelligence for Education um, journal and conference a few years back, which did inspire me in terms of um, activities that you might do with students. And in that case, um, the research I'm thinking of was from written stories generating um, visual images, moving images. So that kind of leads to, you're saying you've seen um, creating pictures as something that teachers might use, um, I don't know, to, to, to support their explanations perhaps. But I see that in the same way as I was talking about um, challenging students to create a piece of music which is beyond their musical mm. ability through language. Okay, so challenge them to create a beautiful image, but rather than through drawing and um, through their artistic creativity, to use language to do that, to see what it creates. And after they're not satisfied, with what it creates to experiment with different language to do the same thing. So enabling a kind of creativity that might be difficult, um, in this case, a kind of artistic or visual storytelling creativity through using language that you're trying to encourage them to speak or write. So motivating students to write stories um, or speak stories in order to create audiovisual media, for example. Does that make oh, sense to you? Definitely. Um, I think that is a, a, a great use of these art generating apps. I think one of the things that is very interesting as a language teacher, as you've just mentioned, is the idea that if if you don't have much or any artistic ability as in being able to draw or paint one of the things that these ai generating apps allow you to do is actually use words to create uh create pictures images and very you get very different effects depending on the kind of level of detail um, that you are able to use to create those so this text to image um software i think is is fascinating and the reason why i say it's interesting for teachers to use because it's just because it's it's stimulating for um the students for example to see images and then being able to uh, quite often quite surreal images and being able to reflect on those to be able to use them as writing prompts etc but of course if as you say, the idea of students actually using those, um, putting in their own prom- prompts to create images themselves um, is just as useful. It's just, I think, there's a kind of limited amount of that that students can do. There are a number of um, image AI image generation um, software available that is free, but a lot of it now is is limited to what you can do or you have to pay to access a lot of it, I think. Sure. And um, 
I'm thinking that this is, uh, <clears throat> you know, beyond current uh, implementations and availability, but I'm thinking towards the future. I mean, basically, yeah. I think when you can couple... So as a, as a language teacher, one of my main concerns is to motivate people to experiment with their language and play with it and see what they can do with it. And if you can couple the interpretation of the words that you're playing with, with audiovisual feedback, what do you, what effects can you create with these? Then you have a powerful motivating tool, I think, and also a way of exploring language and how what you say or write is interpreted um, by, in this case, an, an AI with this coupled multimedia feedback must be, must be very promising for language learning, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. I think you're uh, you're absolutely right. Um, I think one one of the things that I did, which I think would be worth doing with students to to encourage them to write, for example, is if you input text prompts that are, for example, I took first. I, I was experimenting with first lines from novels i was experimenting with titles um, from novels for example and seeing what kind of images that they produce and you get some very interesting experiments i think uh, results rather uh, when you do that so actually taking texts that students create for example and putting them into these image generating apps and then showing the students the actual text i think would be a quite inspiring way and having them to try and uh, if they are student stories for example trying to guess which students stories they are for example there, there are lots of things like that i think which are quite would be quite interesting to try and then display them in the classroom i don't know those mm -hmm. are the first things that I thought about. And then things like games, I think, um, Im games that are uh, based on images, I think very easily teachers can generate images that uh, are very interesting that uh, they can use in the classroom as well. So I think there's both the idea of using these AI art-generating apps from the point of view of inspiring students to become creative, but also being able to produce resources that teachers can use in the classroom as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think um, we've spoken mainly about AI uh, to support um, audiovisual creativity or, or mm. image creation. And then, of course, there's uh, lots of AI to support creative writing which yes. um, is really uh, interesting and challenging, I think, for teaching and, and for assessment, of course. So, I mean, and I'm sure that games, you will know much more about than me and interactive fiction and the like, but um, I think there are a number of experiments with kind of auto-generated uh, interactive fiction style online written um, adventures, if you like. Uh, so that can be a very good way to motivate 
reading interactive fiction and particularly if it can um, be automatically generated in semi-realistic ways. I've played with one or two of the um, apps that are a little bit like that on the on the Google AI uh, test app. I can't remember what it's called. And I think there's promising directions there. Um, do, are you aware of those kinds of AI to I, generate interactive fiction style? I, adventures? I haven't played with the, I'm taking notes of some of the things that you're saying actually to have a look at them later, but I haven't played with any of the Google AI generating uh, apps that you mentioned, but I have played with one uh, text generating AI um, app in particular called Pseudowrite. Have you come across that? No, I'd like to hear about that. So that's S-U-D-O-W-R-I-T-E dot com, I think it is. And this is from the same lab that developed the DAL-E art generating app. Uh, so I first came across this in a New, New Yorker article, actually, and it's not meant to replace a writer but more it's meant to be a writing assistant. So it was developed by this lab, OpenAI, and I think Microsoft is the main investor uh, behind this, this lab. I think they put in um, quite a lot of money and they created a supercomputer that they've, uh, they claim is one of the top five supercomputers in the world at the moment. And the person behind this is a software engineer uh, who left Silicon Valley to become a sci-fi writer. And so he has a, an interest in, in fiction. And I think the idea is that this is supposed to be a writing assistant. So in other words, you, you start with a text. So you have a text that you've written, but you can also just as, just as easily put in a text from someone else and then you can ask the AI to continue the text in the same style. So the, uh, the AI text app Pseudorite will analyze the text and decide what kind of text it is and try to continue it in the same style, which is fascinating. For example, I put in uh, yesterday evening, just in preparation for this, I put in the beginning of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens to see what it would come up with and um, asked it to continue. And the results are, are, are amazing. It, it definitely understands a little bit about the characters. So in other words, uh, the first part of A Christmas Carol starts with Marley and mentions Scrooge. And it gets what kind of character Molly is and starts to imagine. But so, some of the actual texts it, it, it comes up with are hilarious. And what it does mm -hmm. is, is kind of gives you examples of how to continue uh, writing or how to supplement the text um, with examples of 
what you can see, what you, you can hear, what you can smell, etc. It's amazing. It's, it's really quite interesting. Right. And I think um, that's, that sort of sounds a bit like, I, I wonder whether I can actually see what the name of the, of the Google app that I installed and played with where yeah. you can um, say where, where you go and then it will describe what you can see and then kind of lead you through a little bit of a story in some sense. I mean, not, not modeling the kind of writing and trying to imitate that like you've just spoken about, but um, giving you a reason to read more if you're a language teacher and you want students to read based on finding out what it does with what you put in as input so yet again connecting um, a reason for you to to put in words and to see what's done with them and understand what's done with them reason for writing a reason for create for using language and for reading it and trying to understand it in that case in some sense um, and I, I, I've played with one or two artificial text generating tools and been very impressed by by what they can produce and it obviously makes you think about as a language teacher um, how does this affect uh, how I teach writing what students need to be able to do in order to to write well in the future in a kind of AI ready way I, I'm always very challenged by writing I find writing very very hard um, I'm never satisfied with what I've written. I always feel like what I want to say is somehow trapped inside me. And um, and these kinds of tools for writing for you, apart from making that easier, I wonder how they would help me to learn to write better or whether being a writer in the future will require the same skill sets that it does now so what we're actually doing in terms of helping people learn how to express themselves in language and what role ai will have in helping you to express yourself so there's lots of um i mean i, I for example i i i found shared in linkedin by professor mike sharples a, a link to something that he had set up which would um, write a short story based on a title if you gave it that title. And um, can I mm. can I read what it wrote for me and give you the Please title? do, yeah. please do. Okay, so I, I, I put in the title, the hybrid human AI teacher. That was the title. I wanted to see mm -hmm. what, what this algorithm would do. And the story it wrote is this, the future is here. The hybrid human AI teacher is the perfect blend of machine and man, able to deliver lectures with the speed and efficiency of a computer while still being able to connect with the students on a human level. This new breed of teacher is taking the education world by storm, and it's long, not long before every school in the country is using them. They're cheaper than human teachers, and they don't get tired or need to take breaks. The students love them too, they're never bored in class and they always get perfect scores on their tests. But there's one problem. The hybrid human AI teachers are starting to become too perfect. They're starting to see the students as nothing more than data points. And they're starting to lose their humanity. The students are becoming afraid of their teachers and the parents are starting to notice. Something needs to be done before the hybrid human AI teachers take over the world completely. 
so that's the that's the story that wow. this thing wrote for me and it's very hard not to kind of describe uh, some kind of like it feels like it's authored although i guess really it's more like a kind of um coherent pulling together of what the algorithm can find on the on the internet And that was Joshua Underwood speaking about AI uh, with me back in January 2023. Uh, sorry, not in January, January 2023. That was back in November 2022. But in January 2023, I spoke to Chris Temple Murray, um, who's teacher based in the UK about edtech engagement, learning and assessment. And we also spoke a little bit about um, artificial intelligence. So interesting to hear you mention ChatGPT. It seems to have <laughs> taken the educational world by storm. And yes. there's a lot of very worried teachers out there about what the implications are as far as uh, education is concerned, how it may disrupt things. What, what, are your, what is your take on that? Have you had a chance to play with ChatGPT much? Yes. Uh, now, being um, a lecturer in IT, we, we do teach AI and machine learning and everything and everything that goes with it and the, the security risks and the pros, the cons, the everything. Um, and I think generally there's a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to look at it as we looked at the calculator when that came, became, you know, popularized and accessible across the board. Uh, for every student in their bag, we didn't suddenly stop teaching maths. We just adapted. And yeah. what we need to do is is look at the features the likes of Chat GTP have, but also the likes of Copilot and everything else that's out there, and use the good bits and be aware of the bits that aren't so useful. Um, I I think most days this week I've probably saved a couple of hours by using an AI tool to develop uh, things that would probably be slightly mundane to have to write out. Um, whereas using using the tools we have on uh, available to us like ChatGTP, it takes out a lot of that mundane and that time consuming stuff. Most important bit being I can then focus and use that time on my students or developing a resource to suit the needs of my students more precisely um, rather than identifying the best way to write that long email, you know, or whatever it may be. So huge potential. Uh, and I think we are at a turning point with, with AI. Um, it's, I've heard it's, it's a bit like the iPhone moment for smartphones. Suddenly it becomes accessible and usable. Um, although it's, it's not new in any way, it is now accessible and it's very easy to use. And at the moment, very cheap that may change in the future but at the moment it's very very cheap and uh yeah i think you know i think it could take over really in a positive way um it's not going to replace the teachers it's not going to change any of that but i think it will allow us to really specialize and and use our skill set as um educational experts to you know develop resources for individual students or for individual groups of students and to really ensure we're getting the best out of them because it will take away a lot of those tasks that take up a lot of time.
Um, so yeah, I think it it's the future and it could be very, very beneficial. Yes, no, I, I tend to agree with you. I think we do need to embrace it and need to understand it and uh, look at uh, what it means to the way we teach and the way students learn in the future or, or, yes. or not even the future right now. Well, now I think, I think in terms of where they learn and the way we assess, we need to of course. adapt the way we are assessing because the, the long form answer that we were asking them to write before Christmas can now be written by something else and we may not be able to tell. Um, so we, I am, I don't know yet, but I imagine we're going to adjust the way we assess um, slightly, and we may have more in-class assessments. We may have more practical assessments. We may have more presentations and video recordings and voice recordings. But that's not a bad thing because out there in in the world of employment, that's what you have more of. It's not too often you're asked to write an essay to prove the value of your job. You know, you're asked to present or you're asked to pitch or you're asked to make yeah. a video or, or whatever it's so it's only becoming more relevant and i think this a bit like lockdown did this might force the world of education to um pay attention a bit more um you know and 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 benefit from it if they do of course that, that makes a lot of sense i think you know the more that school aligns itself to what people are actually doing out there outside of the educational world, the better really in, in, you know, in the world of work, for example, which, you know, presumably that's what we are trying to present, prepare our students for. So I think, yeah, what, what you're suggesting it, it is, is totally sensible really. Mm. Yeah. Chris Temple-Murray speaking about AI just over a year ago and winding things up now in June 2023 I asked ChatGPT questions about itself uh, I thought it was in be interesting and especially because it was definitely uh, something that uh, was very feasible for ChatGPT to actually um, to answer for itself and what kind of things it was capable of. And this is a clip from that about it, the possibility of it being problematic. ChatGPT can present some challenges when it comes to standardized writing assessment and traditional homework for the following reasons. Lack of human judgment, ChatGPT is a language model trained on a vast amount of data, but it lacks human insight, intuition, and judgment. It may generate responses that are grammatically correct but contextually inappropriate or factually inaccurate. This can lead to misleading or incorrect assessments of student writing or homework. Over-reliance on templates, ChatGPT tends to generate responses based on patterns it has learned from training data. This can result in the model producing formulaic or template-like answers. When it comes to creative or critical thinking tasks, such as writing essays or solving complex problems, relying solely on ChatGPT for assessment may inhibit students' originality and hinder their ability to develop unique ideas. Limited understanding of student intent, 
ChatGPT may struggle to accurately interpret and understand the underlying intent or purpose of a student's writing. It may misinterpret sarcasm, humor, or subtle nuances, leading to inaccurate assessments. This limitation can be particularly problematic in assessing creative or persuasive writing, where capturing the author's voice and intention is crucial. Insufficient feedback and guidance, while ChatGPT can provide preliminary feedback on assignments, it may not offer detailed explanations or guidance on how to improve. The model's responses might lack the depth and specificity that human teachers can provide. Feedback that is too generic or inadequate may not effectively support students' growth and development. Inability to assess non-written aspects, ChatGPT primarily focuses on assessing written content. It may struggle to evaluate other important aspects of student performance, such as oral communication skills, critical thinking abilities, collaboration, or creativity. Traditional homework and standardized assessments often require assessing a broader range of skills and competences beyond writing alone. Potential for gaming the system, students might attempt to exploit the model's limitations by producing content specifically designed to receive favorable responses from ChatGPT. They could engage in gaming the system by intentionally using certain phrases or patterns they believe the model will deem as high quality, even if the actual content lacks depth or accuracy. While ChatGPT can be a useful tool for certain aspects of assessment, it should be utilized alongside human judgment and expertise. Teachers should carefully consider these limitations and ensure that the assessments they use are well-rounded, align with learning objectives, and provide students with meaningful feedback for their growth and improvement. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the EtonX curriculum in your school for free. Visit EtonX.com to find out more. And I'm back, and we're coming to the end of the show. I'm just asking if one of our guests, spiritual doctor, would like to join me. He has put some very interesting, or she, um, things in the chat, which uh, I'm just going to speak a little bit about, and um, involved in creating resources for tests and notebooks, um, spiritual doctor, the live listener, runs quizzing group community for professional exams, I think, um, in India. And 
a lot of things that spiritual doctor says needs to be taken into account is this idea of moderation and teachers being involved as team members in the development of AI, which I think is really interesting. And teachers also interacting more um, and helping to differentiate between AI and human responses, which is problematic. And um, I don't think Spiritual Talk is going to join me, so I'll bring things to an end. So thank you very much to um, everyone who has been able to join me live to listen to this. Thank you also to all of you who are listening back to the recording. That brings us to the end of today's Twilight Show. And many thanks in particular for today's show to all of my previous guests um, who, without all of you, I wouldn't have been able to do this at all uh, for the wonderful conversations that uh, I've had about AI and about other subjects over the last two years. I haven't included clips from all of the shows where we talked about generative AI, just a selection of them. Um, I thought it was particularly important to focus on the first conversations I had about it, which is really interesting just to see how much has changed. And it actually is was interesting for me when I was listening to some of those clips from the shows, just how much uh, people were doing, teachers were doing, before the great explosion in generative AI. And I think that's quite an interesting thing. There were a lot of people that I spoke to who were there quite a, a lot of time beforehand exploring these tools as they first appeared, which is always nice to hear. And of course, it's come up again and again and again in recent shows too. Now, all of these shows, both the ones that I've used clips from and the other ones are available to listen to. If you go to ttradio.org forward slash listen back, I think I said TTR um, last time, it's ttradio.org forward slash listen back. You can search for uh, either the person or the topic, and you will find lots of interesting content that you can listen back to. And I really do encourage all of you to go back and listen to some of the shows that were produced in the past. Um, it's very interesting, I think, to get an idea of what, just how much things have changed. Certainly, I found it interesting. Now, if you would like to be a guest on the show, then I'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch through social media or through the TTR, uh, ttradio.org site. There's a way of being able to send me a message there. And we can talk about anything related to education that you might be interested in talking about. So please do get in touch and let me know if you'd like to be a guest. And so that's it from me for today. There are Teachers Talk radio shows all week on all manner of interesting topics. So please listen in live or go to the recordings. 
I'm taking a little break and won't be able to have a show for the next two Saturdays as I'm traveling for work, but I will be back at the beginning of March and I hope you will join me then. Bye for now. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. In the vast realms of cyberspace, where knowledge takes its flight, there blooms a radio show, a beacon shining bright. A haven for educators, a platform to share. Teachers Talk Radio resonates with care. Tom Rogers, the guiding light, a teacher through and through. With passion in his heart, he kindles flames anew. His wisdom flows like rivers, nurturing minds so keen. Empowering educators with every word, unseen. Graham Stanley The Saturday Twilight Show's host, with topics untamed. A variety of discussions, his guests forever acclaimed. He weaves a web of information, engaging hearts and souls. Inviting inspiration in, to help each teacher's goals. Together, they embark on journeys, traversing boundless plains. Exploring lands of pedagogy, where innovation reigns. They champion every teacher, from humble start to grand. For they believe in the power held within each guiding hand. Teachers Talk Radio echoes with camaraderie. Uniting hearts across the waves, from sea to shining sea. A chorus of voices, diverse and strong. Teaching hearts united, as one melodious song. They delve into the challenges, the triumphs and the tears. Sharing stories of resilience, erasing doubts and fears. With empathy as their compass, they navigate the storm. Uplifting weary souls, bringing hope and transforming norms. The airwaves come alive with laughter, insight and debate. As teachers tune their hearts, finding solace in this space. A community of learners, a family strong and true. Teachers Talk Radio, the virtual home they always knew. So let us raise our voices, in tribute to this show. Where teachers find their refuge, where growth and dreams can grow. In this digital soundscape, where passion takes its stand. Teachers Talk Radio ignites the spark, held within each teacher's hand.